Let's continue on in our current uh, sermon series, The Pilgrim's Life. Today our text can be found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. And our focus will be following the Lord's footsteps. After we became Christians, we became pilgrims. We have changed our status. We are living stones. We are his royal priesthood. And we are merely pilgrims and visitors in this world. But we have this very important responsibility. We need to uh, to show forth and to proclaim the glory of the Lord who have brought us out of darkness into the light. This was the message last week. But how? But how? Knowing is very important, but it's more important to know how to live it out. And in chapter 2, verses 13 to 25, up to three, seven. Up to uh, chapter three, chapter seven. Three, verse seven. Peter here brought out this very important principle. To obey. Submission. To submit. Submission is the most important uh, factor in how we can live out this pilgrim's life. If you are to look at this whole passage, the word submission had appeared six times. What did it include? To submit to every authority instituted among men. To submit to good and considerate masters. To submit to harsh masters. And to submit to one's husband. What do we mean when we say submit? In the original Greek text, the word submit means to be subjected to. And to submit means we recognize the order of God's creation. God is an organized God. And as we recognize and submit to the arrangement made by God and how he organized things, that is what we should be doing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. If we do not submit to God's orders uh, or the way he ordered things, it's, uh, it's for sure that our life will be very chaotic. You're living in a, in a uh, family or in a household that's very chaotic. Uh, your, the whole, your whole life, your whole company will be very chaotic. Just look at it. Then if there's chaos in your family or in your company, it means that there's a breakdown in the order of things. When God created Adam, and, and for the sake of Adam, he created Eve. And God said to Adam and Eve, 
You have, you are, uh, you have authority over all the things I have created. Look at the order of things. God, Adam, Eve, and created things. This is the order of things. Adam has to obey and listen to God when he speaks. While Eve has to listen to Adam when he speaks. While the all created things should submit to the uh, to human beings. This is the order of things. Why did we sin? Because we have disregarded the order of things. Eve, rather than listening to Adam, listen. No, no, to listen to creation. Listen to creation. And instead of listening to Adam, she listened to the serpent. Well, Eve should be the one listening to Adam. The opposite happened. Adam was the one who listened and obeyed Eve. When, when Eve asked Adam to eat, Adam ate. Man has to listen to God. But man listened to created things. That's why chaos happened into, the, uh, into this world. Sin is chaos. When because uh, it happened because we disregarded the order of things the way God said it. Right now, we have been saved by grace. We have changed our status. We have a new responsibility. We have to make known the beauty and the glory of the one who has let us out of darkness. The very first thing. We have to restore the order of things. First, let me allow me to show you the the structure of our passage and you would be you find it very clear verses 17, uh, 13 to 17 tells us to submit to the government well, verses 18 to 20 uh, ask us to submit to the master in between in chapter 2 verses 21 to 25 there was suddenly a, a, a passage that appeared the modeling or the sample set by the Lord in submission while well, in chapter 3 verses 1 to 7 goes back to submission to one's husband if you are to look at the structure it looks like a sandwich the submission to government and submission to master is just like the first piece of bread well, submitting to one's husband is a second piece of bread in between this is this is ham that is the example of the Lord you know why? because to, to be able to submit is something we find to be very difficult that's why the Lord set a very good example for us to emulate. Because learn from examples. We all learn from examples. Our children would have listened to us and uh, speak about so many teachings. But they will never 
and live this out. But rather they look at us, they observe us, and they follow how we, how we live. So if there are problems with our children, it's not very far from the examples we set as parents. Whether it's a good example or a bad example. So may the Lord help us. Jesus has left us a good example. That we will follow his footsteps today. Today let's, let's focus on how to submit to the government and how to submit to our masters. And we will discuss about examples of Christ. The next week, let's spend the whole uh, sermon next week to discuss how we as husband and wife can learn how to submit to each other. The very first, how do we submit to the government? Apostle Peter here reminded us of two things. Why do we need to submit to the government? The very first reason it's for the Lord's sake. We are submitting to the government for the Lord's sake. Look at verses 13 and 14. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. Command those who do right. We have to understand and know the background of First Peter. It was written during the Roman Empire. But uh, during that time, the emperor of Rome was Emperor Nero. Nero was a very wicked king, emperor. It was during his time as emperor that they started persecuting God and, and Christians. But Peter had never requested or asked the people to, to rebel. But instead, he asked the people to submit to the government, to submit to the authorities, and to submit to all human authorities. Why? Why? For the Lord's sake. It is for the Lord's sake. It is to uh, to make Christ known and to set the, the standard for the Lord's people. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, every authority has been on earth has been set by the Lord. Jesus has always been very clear about one thing. There is no authority on this earth that has not been set by the Lord. So when we submit to the government, when we submit to emperors, when we submit to the authorities, it is us submitting to the authority or to the order of things as the Lord has said it. In the 33 years that the Lord lived in this world, he had never done anything that goes against the government. So when Jesus was judged, Pontius Pilate three times said one thing. I find no fault against our laws with regards to this man. 
He is completely innocent. He washed his hands to show that he has nothing to do with the shedding of blood of Christ. Even Judas, who, uh, who betrayed Christ, uh, later on he said, I have sinned. I have I have betrayed an innocent life. One time, somebody asked Jesus this question. Do we need to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus requested for a coin. Whose image is on that coin? And he said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to the Lord. Jesus has no opposition, it's not opposed to us paying our taxes. So don't. Don't rob or don't uh, skim on your on your taxes. Because it's part of the order of things that the Lord has said. Here Peter reminded us of a very important reason. For the Lord's sake. It is for the Lord's sake. Because we want to follow the example set by Christ. That's why we have to submit to every authority in this world. The second reason. It's for the will of God. Look at verses 15 and 16. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. The second reason, for it is God's will. For it is God's will. It is God's will. By doing good, because it is God's will for us to do good. After we accepted the Lord, doing good work. We have to start doing good work. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, Paul said the same thing. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are not saved by our good works. But we do good works because we are saved. It is for God's sake. And to submit to authority is part of doing good. Because this is God's will. You know why God set authorities in this world? There's only one reason. God established authority on earth to punish evil and reward the good. This is the reason why God established authority in this world. Of course, I have to reinforce this. When, the, uh, when our earthly authorities have, is pushing back against God's uh, laws and God's desires, yes, yes, that's the only reason when we can refuse to submit to their authority. And listen, but you have to listen. Your attitude and your behavior should 
Remain humble and gentle. Your Christians. We don't fight evil with evil. We fight evil with good. So when we refuse to obey unreasonable and unlawful uh, yes. Authority, uh, authorities, yes. yes, you can watch out. That's with good attitude. Yes, we need to resist, but with a good attitude. You don't have to sh- go into a shouting match with them. When your uh, when your boss, when they do things that are uh, that are in, that are in the position to biblical principles, you can uh, voice it out. But your attitude should be one of gentleness. You are not to fight with them. But you are to teach them and to make them recognize what is good and what is right. So in the early church, and in the early church, they were against uh, the, the, the people then, the authority then were opposed to Christians preaching. But the, the church uh, resisted this. Peter said, this is a very famous uh, statement. It is but right to obey God and not man. It's more of a priority for us to obey God and not man. So, so dear church, our obedience and submission to the Lord is unlimited. But our submission to our earthly government and authorities is limited. In the Lord, we submit to them in the Lord. It's when they're away from when they're straying away from the truth. they say no, no. We can say no to them. Because to commit a crime is not the same as sinning. Committing a crime violates the law of the government while committing a sin violates God's standard. Committing a crime doesn't always uh, equate to committing a sin. Committing a sin doesn't always mean committing a crime. What do we mean? For example, if there's one day, if the Philippine government suddenly declares that all Christians should stop worshipping. If you worship the Lord, then you are committing a crime. We have to continue worshipping the Lord. We have committed a crime. But we have not committed a sin. To uh, not honor our parents is, uh, is a sin. Do not to have filial piety uh, towards them is still a sin. But the government cannot um, cannot uh, drag you into prison. Because you have committed a sin, but you have not committed any crime. There's no law that states that we have to honor our parents or to take care of our parents. This is our ethical standard. May the Lord help us. When it's 
not against God's principles, your Christians, we need to submit to our earthly authority. After we became Christians, we are no longer slaves of sin. But but we are not completely free. Because we became God's slave. We will submit to God's authority over man's authority. This is the first thing. To submit to our government. Second, we need to submit to our masters. You know, the territory of the Roman Empire is huge. Because they have conquered, the Roman Empire conquered so many different territories. In the those defeated nations, the people there will be held captives and they will be made slaves. And according to the record in history, and the Roman Empire consists of more than 60 to 70 percent slaves. 70% of the people of the Roman Empire were slaves. Don't for a moment do not think that those who were slaves were uneducated people, poor people with no skills. In fact, a lot of those slaves during that time were highly educated. And most of them would have more capabilities and more education than their masters. Just so happened during that time they were slaves. And there were those people who became Christians. They were people who have more capabilities. They were more educated than their masters. And Paul had taught these people how to respond and treat their masters. The same. The same. Do not come up and rebel against them. Peter here is not promoting nor condoning uh, a slave. Because during his time, he had no power to change the slave system. But rather, he is encouraging all of us, in fact, he's ordering all of us to submit to our masters. In verses 18 to 20, it tells us of two different kinds of masters and two different kinds of sufferings. The two kinds of masters. What are these two types? Look at verses 18 and 19. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust sufferings because they are conscious of God. There are two types of masters. The first were those who were good and considerate. But second, the second one are those who are who were harsh. Good and considerate masters were those who were good masters. 
They were considerate to the needs of their slaves. And they were fair in their treatment of their slaves. And they they treat them just justly and reasonably. These were the good masters. How do we describe those who were harsh masters? Those who have bad temperament. They were easily uh, they are easily angered. They are unjust in their treatment of people. These are the bad masters. What did Peter say? Regardless of whether your masters are good and considerate or harsh, you need to submit to them in reverent fear. So dear church, as we submit to those who are placed above us, not because these people are good or they have good behavior or they have good character. No, 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 no. There's a higher motive why we submit submit to those who are uh, placed above us. In verse 19. For it is commendable if someone bears up a, uh, under the pain of unjust sufferings because they are conscious of God. We have to always be conscious of our God. We submit to our masters because we submit to our God. Because we want to please our God. Of course, right now, we don't have the slave system anymore. We are no longer slaves to anyone. But in case you are a servant or an employee of somebody else, you are a worker in somebody else's company, the one who gives you your wages, that one is your master. You have to learn to submit to them. Whether you deem them good or harsh, in case you are a Christian, and your master, your employer is also a Christian, so you have to listen. You have to exert even more effort to submit to them. Don't say that because he's a brother in Christ. We worship in the, together. In fact, we are the, of the same church. But please remember, he may be your brethren, but he's still your employer. You have to doubly honor these kind of people. Take advantage. Don't take advantage. Because he's a brethren. Then we think we can be late anytime we want to be late, and we can leave early anytime we want to leave early. And we can even use the church's name to criticize our employers. And we can say that they don't love God, they don't love people. I have met these kind of people. There were two brothers. One is an employer and one is an employee. One time there was a there was a service here uh, one evening in CBCP. The, 
the one whose employee said he wanted to join the service, that's why he wanted to leave early from work. But the problem is, but it was not yet uh, dismissal for their work. And the, the owner, the employer refused. No, you cannot leave because there are so many things we need to do. That employee came to the church and criticized his employer. And they, he accused him of not loving people and to love money more. And I said, and I, and I rebuked him. No, you're wrong. And I said, no, you're wrong. You cannot say these kind of things. Because you have, you have no testimony. Because that is your work. Then you have to work diligently. When he says, when your employer says no, then it's no. Don't take advantage. May the Lord help each one of us. The Bible's teaching is very simple. Honor your employer. Honor your master. Regardless of whether they're good or not good. And obey the order of things as the Lord has said. Of course, we are who we who are masters or employers. There are things that we need to be careful about. Of course, here there's no uh, there's no teachings about how we are as employers. Here the focus is on how we as slaves or servants need to respond to our masters. Regardless of whether the master is good or not. There are two kinds of sufferings in verse 20. But how it is to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, that this is commendable before God. The first kind of suffering is you suffer for your sin. The second type of suffering is when you're suffering for doing something good. Peter said, We who are servants, if we have not done our responsibility, and we did something wrong, and we have been reprimanded and, and we are suffering for it, and you say, I am being patient, I'm enduring. And, and Peter is saying, What credit is it to you if you endure? Because it is a consequence of what you've did, done wrong. These are consequences. May the Lord help us. Don't just casually say, I'm suffering for the Lord. There are, many, uh, there are types of sufferings that it's yeah, you brought down upon you by yourself. There's this young person said to the pastor, said, uh, pastor, I'm suffering for the Lord. So I, the pastor asked him, why? How are you suffering? In fact, today when I came to the church, I was not allowed to come to the church and my father is so angry with me. And he loudly scolded me. So I uh, asked the pastor, uh, the pastor asked him what happened. So he said to the father, Today I need to go to the church. And the father said, No, you cannot go to the church tonight. Man, man. No. And you know how he responded to his father? And he said to the father, Satan, take He said to the father, Get behind me, Satan. Of course, the father got angry. So the father loudly reprimanded him. 
The pastor said to him, You have to thank the Lord that your father didn't hit you. How can you call your father Satan? Of course, he has to hit you. A lot of times, we have to understand one thing. We are suffering because of our own ignorance. May the Lord help us. There are this type of Christians. They only know half truths about uh, the Bible. They think that this is right and so they do it. They refuse to listen to the teachings and advice of other people. These are hard-headed, stubborn Christians. And you say that I have suffered so much. And I thought that I was suffering for the Lord's sake. No, 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 no. No, you're not. You are suffering because of the things you have done in ignorance. Paul is a good example. Paul is a very good example. Before he was enlightened by the Lord, before he met the Lord, he was very fervent in serving God. In fact, he persecuted uh, the, the Christian church. And he had brought Christians into prison. He thought he was doing this out of the Lord, uh, love for God. Until on, uh, on his way to Damascus, when the light of the Lord shone upon him, and these are this light shone upon him in all directions. So there is no way for him to avoid it. The Bible tells us something. His eyes. Just there was like a scale that covered his eyes. It's only after he was prayed over that scales fell from his eyes and he suddenly saw clearly that he realized that he was not serving God before. But the fact remained that I was persecuting God's church. So may the Lord help us. These are some kind of sufferings are self-inflicted. There is a second type of suffering. These are sufferings we endure for doing something good. This is uh, we, this is being persecuted for righteousness sake. Of course, as Christians, we faithfully serve God. We will be criticized and will be persecuted. And Paul said these are the type of suffering that is commendable by God. Because we are truly suffering for the Lord's sake. Your church, your heart will tell you whether you're doing this for the Lord or not. When you face different kinds of challenges, the Lord knows. There's this passage found in Proverbs 19, verse 17. And this verse has helped me a lot. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. This verse had 
It's been a source of encouragement to me. Because after I became a Christian, and I've seen the different needs of other people, I was debating with myself whether I should help them or not. Because we humans have a very simple nature. When people approach you for help, the very first thing that will come to our mind is whether I'm being scammed or not. Because there are a lot of scammers in this world. We, have, we are asking ourselves, am I being deceived or not? Until I reach this passage, then it established in me a very important principle. If I'm not 100% sure if this person is, is trying to scam me or not, but if I, if I know that person is scamming me, of course I'll say no. But if I'm not sure, I'll help that person. But I'm telling you this. It is God who helped that person, not me. You're not deceiving me. Because if you deceive me, if you scam me, you're scamming God. Suddenly I felt this peace. Because he's not scamming me out of my money. Because I didn't give him. Because I lent to the Lord. God said, I will reward you and repay you in the future. And it comes with interest too. May the Lord help us. You have to use that kind of principle when dealing with people. When we who are serving the Lord, we do everything for the Lord's sake. Even though our masters may be unjust towards us, and he's not worthy of my honor to him, but I will still honor him, not for his sake, but for the Lord's sake. May the Lord help us. After Peter cited these two examples, uh, these two different kinds of submission, he suddenly he included something very unique and very important here. So the example of Jesus. The example of Jesus Christ. Of course, after you've listened to me explain to you, you know how difficult it, it is. How do we submit to the government? Philippine government. Philippine government. Everyone knows. The world knows. It's one of the most corrupt government in the world. How do we submit to them? The BIR, BIR would often visit me. But I've already paid my taxes. But they refuse. Do I submit to them? It's very difficult. How do I submit to my master? What kind of a master do I have? What kind of a pastor? What kind of a leader? How do I submit to them? But the Lord knows. That's why Jesus came to this world and set an example for us to follow. I know this is very difficult. But look at my son. How can he submit to this world? Let's learn from his example. Look at verse 21. To this you were called because, the, of because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You studied diligently. And you saw your seatmate just cheated. 
And he had a better grade than you than you receive. Unfair talaga. And he said, it's so unfair. You have done your business properly according to the law. You have not cheated in your taxes. While, while those who are around you use deceitful methods and, and uh, dishonest methods in their business dealings. You are not making profit and they're making huge profits. Unfair. And you say to yourself, it's unfair. This world is filled with things and situations that are unfair. When we do things and we suffer, when we do good and suffer for it, you would have the sense of being treated unfairly. Peter said, Submit to your master. Regardless of whether they're good or not. There's no problem when our master is good. They are worthy of my submission. But how about those who are harsh? How do I submit to them? Paul said, uh, Peter said, you submit to them. You're doing this because this is what you're called to do. Listen, listen. Listen. When the, when the Lord calls us, it is not for us, it's not a calling for suffering. We are called by God. It's for us to follow the example of Jesus Christ. How did Jesus face unjust situations? When he was judged unfairly. Just like a, sle- a sheep that's being brought to slaughter, it's being led to slaughter. He remained silent, nor did he say anything unjust. Follow the example of Jesus Christ. We need to follow the example of Jesus Christ. God is not calling us to suffer. Follow the example of Jesus Christ. But rather, we are called to follow the example of Jesus yeah, so Christ. Example. What was the example of Jesus Christ? He remained silent in the midst of unjust dealings. Let me tell you. In, in the past, Peter did not understand this. He completely, he was completely clueless about it. He does not know, he do, nor does he understand uh, what it means to suffer for good. In Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus asked his uh, disciples, Who am I? What did the people say about me? Of course, there were different answers. Only Peter answered, you are the son of our everlasting God. Jesus said, bingo. You are blessed. Because your answer was, was, uh, was moved, you are moved by the, Lord, uh, by the Holy Spirit to answer this. Jesus said, now that you know that I am the son of God, okay. Let, okay. Let me allow me to share with you my mission. I'm going to Jerusalem. I will suffer uh, in the hands of the religious leaders. In fact, I will be crucified on a cross. Even before Jesus finished his statement, Peter immediately responded. And he said, Lord, I will not allow you. You cannot do that. 
You know how Jesus responded? Now, this was the right interpretation and right uh, context. Satan, uh, Satan, get behind me. Why? Why? Because you are not mindful of the things of God, but only mindful of the things of man. But in, in fact, among us, who among us love to suffer? I don't want to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. But when did Peter begin to understand this? It's the night before Jesus was betrayed. Jesus spoke. Tonight, I will be captured. All of you will desert me. Peter immediately responded. No, 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 no. No. Lord, everyone will betray you. I will not betray you. In fact, I will not abandon you. I will, I will uh, die with you. And Jesus said, Peter, Peter, tonight, before the crow will, uh, the rooster will crow two times, you would deny me three times. Of course, Peter protested and said, no. What happened? It truly happened. He denied the Lord three times before the servants. Look at Luke chapter 22, 61 and 62. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that the Lord has spoken to him. Before the roosters, uh, rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Suddenly, after he disowned Jesus three times, suddenly, Jesus looked at him. When they had eye contact, just think about it. What kind of eyes did, uh, did Jesus look at Peter? Our eyes, is very, our eyes are very expressive. In front of our boyfriend girlfriend, there's electricity that comes out. If you don't do that, you probably don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. We're, we're putting on love electricity. But when we're angry, we can give them dagger looks. We can kill them with our looks. When you're driving. And later, uh, in, in last week, there was, a, uh, there was a story about an elder being cut in the lane. When somebody cuts into your lane, how do you look at that person? We have, if looks can kill, we have Think about it. With what kind of eyes did Jesus look at Peter? It was a kind of look that led Peter to, to weep. I'm sure. It was with gentle, compassionate eyes that the Lord looked at Peter. Peter wept bitterly. Because during that day, that very moment, Peter understood something very important. Why Jesus had to die on the cross. Jesus died 
died on the cross for someone just like me. I thought I was brave. I thought I was strong. But when faced with danger, I disown my most beloved master. Let me tell you one thing. We often speak about loving people. When when it comes to a life and death situation, you will truly know whom you truly love. During that very moment, Peter understood why Jesus needs to die on the cross. Because for my sake, for a sinner just like me, he died on the cross. Your church, you understand why Jesus needs to die on the cross for sinners just like you and I. People who are self-righteous just like me. But in front of our eyes, when faced with our sins, one time and again we fail in, in the face of temptation again and again we fall it's for your sake it's for my sake that Jesus died on the cross Jesus, uh, Peter understood the reason why Jesus need to die during that moment that's why in 1 Peter he said follow his footsteps follow his footsteps of course right now we are no longer suffering for our salvation because we are already saved we are following the example set by Jesus because, because we want to model Jesus to other people just think about it dear church when you are faced with an unjust situation Everyone is looking at you. You're the people in your company. They're Christians and they're non-Christians. Everyone is facing, is looking at you and how you would react. Your testimony will show the people. This is the type of Christian. This is how Christians behave. When we are faced with unjust treatment, we are not there to complain. May the Lord help us. You know? If, if, if in, case if you, in, in case you're my co-worker. Time and again you come to me and complain that the church is unfair or people have been unfair to you. Sooner or later I will respond to you. Maybe you need to look for another church wherein you can serve. Guess this. Church is not for you. Because you cannot work with other people. And because there are four C's that are required for my co-workers and the, four, uh, the fourth is chemistry. You have no chemistry with other people. You probably need to serve in another church. May the Lord help us. What was the example set by the Lord? Look at verses 22-24. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This, this is a record of what happened to Jesus on the day that he was crucified. I have no time for, to explain this in, in, in detail. But there are three things I would like to share with you. Number one, this was the most unfair judgment in the world. A person who's completely innocent was judged by sinful man. The righteous God had been judged by unrighteous man. The Creator has been judged by the created. And this is the most unjudged, uh, unfair judgment in the whole, whole world. The second, this is the best attitude when we suffer for Christ. Look at verse 23. When they hurled ins their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When, they, when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. When he was insulted, he remained silent. Nor did he make threats against them. James, in the book of James, it says, Those who can control their own tongue is a perfect man. So Jesus is perfect. In the midst of massive unrighteousness and unfairness, he remained silent. You know what's probably one of the most difficult things for us? When we are unjustly accused. Of course, we sometimes cannot bear it. How can I remain silent? But Jesus remained silent. And he used the best attitude and best response against unrighteous judgment. He submitted himself to his just and righteous God. His attitude was, I will not exact vengeance, but I will entrust the whole situation to God. Your church. When we are suffering, of course we don't go in ignorantly. Of course if you can avoid it, avoid it. Jesus was like that. Before he was crucified, before his time was up, there are people who tried to uh, arrest him. The Bible clearly stated Jesus fled. There's no, uh, there's no wrong in, in, in flight. When sufferings come, and we have no opportunity to flee, let's flee. If we cannot flee, Submit yourself to God. The Bible clearly says, says that vengeance is the Lord's and He will uh, take care of it. This is an attitude. Third, this is the best model for the benefits of suffering. Look at verse 24. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Christ died on the cross for us. Because of his sake, we continue to live. 
Die to sin and live for righteousness. We die to sin and now we live to righteousness and for righteousness. You know what this means? He did not die for no reason, nor did he die for no benefit. He did not suffer for no reason. He suffered for the goodness and for the benefit of mankind. Paul here explained. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. You know what does this mean? This death does not refer to physical death. It's talking about the death of our old self. We are we should be willing to die to our old self. Then other people will live. You understand what this means? You know. This old self of us is very fierce. And it's very self-centered. You will do whatever it wants, he wants to do. I will say whatever I want to say. There are people around you who live with you will suffer greatly. Brothers. Brothers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A lot of husbands are like that in their household. They are the king. And those people around you, surrounding you, live in, in, in massive sufferings. It's so hard for your children. It's so difficult for your wife. And they, they'll say, go die. Because if you die, then they would live peacefully. You're Christians. Learn to die to yourself. You, I know it's very difficult. There are times I want to quarrel with my wife. But I have to bite my tongue. And so that I will not say something wrong. Because if I don't die, then she will not be able to live. Paul said, Death is at work. Uh, in us, what life is also at work in us. May the Lord help us. This is the example set by the Lord for us to follow. So follow his example. So let's follow his example. That we can live uh, as a good model for other people. That other, people's can, other people can see that we are his witness in this world. May the Lord bless us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Through the example you have left for us, Lord Jesus, that we can learn submission. It is not easy. It's even more difficult for us to submit to unfair and unjust authorities. Lord help us this is the modeling that you have set for us we will be humble and we will learn from this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ we pray Amen, Amen.